Welcome to this week's episode of Sullivan and Son. I'm Seamus Sullivan. I'm Mark Sullivan. I don't know if you saw, but obviously um, we talked about Phil Jackson last week. Did you see the new news about him? Yes, he's now the unemployed Phil Jackson. (laughs) Apparently sleeping through a player's tryout would be the highlight of his last two weeks. (laughs) Now that he's not getting $12 million a year to be the team president. See, I heard it was, uh, it was reported as a mutual, a mutual decision. And I think, I think Dolan came to him and was like, Hey, um, so would you rather be fired or do you want to resign? <laughs> yeah, that's really the way it works when you're at that point. I, right. <laughs> I don't think he had a choice. I think the, uh, sources said, uh, this was Phil Jackson's response. <laughs> <laughs> Jim Dolan had to wake him up to bring him the news. Hey, 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 can I get your attention here for a second? Wait, wait, I was still the president? I didn't even, <laughs> I didn't realize I was still the president of uh, the I Knicks. thought this was a tryout. Where'd the player go? <laughs> the draft happened? Who did we take? <laughs> but, uh, I mean, they took that French guy, so he, he did pick another foreign guy as his last, his last, um... That's it. What he'll is the ending of his legacy. But yeah, it was not a good three years in New York. That's no, for sure. no, not at all. I think it shows that he can coach or could coach, but uh, couldn't lead the team from a, a management standpoint. Yeah. I mean, I, I had heard some people claim that he just wanted the money. He just wanted that that paycheck. But I don't know. He he might have been trying. It's, it's hard I to tell. I think he was trying. I just don't, because I don't think he... Yeah. I don't think he needed the money badly enough, you know, after all the money he has earned to to make that his primary motivation. I'm sure he didn't he certainly didn't turn down the paychecks, but I don't think that was his motivation. I, I think he simply did not have the I think it's a different skill set to manage a team versus uh coaching a team. And you see that with lots of different things. I think Michael Jordan, uh, great maybe one of the greatest players of all time in basketball, but he cannot lead the Charlotte Hornets even to a playoff spot. So well, different well, skills are required. GMs, speaking of GMs and specifically Charlotte Hornets GMs, I don't know if you saw this, but I guess the Hornets have Dwayne Wade now on their team. Yes, we talk about skill set. I think introducing your players correctly would be <laughs> one of the skill sets that you would want to have. Introducing your draft picks uh if, if you haven't seen the GM for the Charlotte Hornets, Rich Cho, he was at a press conference. He said, we're, we're happy to introduce Malik Monk and Dwayne Wade to the Charlotte Hornets. And then he yeah. paused. Laughed and, at himself. Yeah. Good chuckle. I think he realized the audience was giving him some cues that he had said something incorrectly and then realized he had said <laughs> I, I it I think the player, I, I don't know if you saw this, but he, was, uh, he gave a, a very interesting facial expression. His eyes got really large. <laughs> He's yes. like, I have some big shoes to fill. <laughs> so I have to live up to some, some lofty standards. It's actually I'm, I'm Dwayne. the 40th pick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was actually Dwayne Bacon, not Dwayne Wade, that was drafted by the Charlotte Hornets. It reminds me of those... Um, do you remember those NFL Network commercials with Deion Sanders? Oh he, yeah, the uh, what would what was the name he used he, in those commercials? He registered as Leon Sandcastle. Right, right. <laughs> pretty good series. I like that. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was that was pretty funny. So I yeah, the, I don't think the uh, Charlotte Hornets are showing that they they don't necessarily have the leadership at their top. I don't know, if, you know, just him misspeaking. It's probably it's, it's those giving them too nights. much of a hard time but they they certainly 
you know, they've gone 14 seasons and only had one in the last 14 seasons, one playoff uh, yeah. appearance. So Dwayne Bacon has a lot more to do if he's going to change that team. <laughs> You want to talk continuing basketball and uh, yeah, another funny video I saw. Clay Thompson was in China. Apparently, he was signed with a Chinese shoe company. Um, and I think his promotional dunk for the company is about the quality you can expect in their shoe brand. He did a he was attempting a one handed three sixty dunk. And fell mightily short. I, I don't know if he was wearing their shoes at the time. Maybe they don't have the same springiness. <laughs> well, it, it, I've watched the video too, and he was—he wasn't even close. You know what I'm saying? He—he wasn't above the rim when he missed it. He, the dunk, he was hitting the side of the rim with his dunk attempt. You know, a lot of times <laughs> you see players miss miss because they go up high and they release the ball too soon, and it goes off the back of the back of the rim or they or, like uh hit it off the back you know where they kind of throw it and it just breaks yeah, out exactly yeah, yeah. but he he didn't have the t- height on it to to come close to making it. And he just clanked it off the side and then tumbled after he yeah. came to the ground and, uh <laughs> he got stuffed by the rim denied by the rim and then uh, couldn't even land gracefully his his shoe comp uh, his shoe deals with anta um apparently they make basketball shoes i had never heard of them before this so I guess their and publicity worked out. The publicity was good, but I don't know if people are going, yeah, that's going to help my game. <laughs> Did he wear those in the playoffs? Did he wear those? I, I, I would assume so. And if it was part of the deal, I haven't looked into it. I just know the company's name is Anta. It's a Chinese uh, brand. I think they make more than just basketball shoes. They make all sorts of active wear. But his, uh, I think I'll stick with Nike. Yeah, yeah. I think everybody... Under Armour. Yeah, you know, there's some... <laughs> still some brands there that might be at you a little bit more height there. Uh, LeVar Ball. Uh, what is that? The the Baller brand. Triple B. Big Baller brand. <laughs> is he of his own brand? Yeah, yeah. That was so he's like... Not, he's not... Is he going like the Tom Brady route and creating his own right, shoe so, brand? Right, uh, so... Yeah, his son Lonzo Ball will wear this this brand in the... the uh, when he plays in the NBA, but no, nobody's offered him a deal to carry his shoe yet, but. Well, and in terms of, uh, you want to change, uh, sports and talk about the, uh, you had mentioned the, the fans obituary for the nationals. Yeah. So I think many people are aware that the nationals are a pretty good team, very good starting pitchers, uh, solid lineup for batting but their Achilles heel seems to be relief pitching and so um there was a fan his name was Pat Killebrew he was 68 years old but I mean that's not too old and he was attending a game on June 20th and he watched the Washington Nationals blow a lead the the bullpen blew the lead you want me to go ahead and read the first line of the obituary? Yeah, I think it's very good. It said, Killebrew, comma, Patrick, comma, Pat, age 68, comma, passed away peacefully at home June 20th, 2017, after watching the Washington Nationals relief, relief pitchers blow yet another lead. Can they be charged with that? For, for killing somebody <laughs> yeah i don't i don't think that's uh yeah i don't know that would be an interesting <laughs> one 
<laughs> bring bring the relief bring pitchers criminal to, to charges justice. to these players. That... I, I love that they also added in lieu of flowers and donations to the Nationals bullpen f- uh, fund. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and this was published in the paper. Apparently, I mean, it said his his son and his uh his his widowed wife thought it was in that he would have liked it. it well, was their humor. family and certainly Pat had a sense of humor, so you got to give them that and. Yeah, it looks like he died a day after watching Washington's relief pitchers lose a six-run lead. Oh, man. Yeah, I don't think they need any more money. Yeah, I don't know what you're going to do to fix that. Well, they uh, they can steal bases when they're going against Jake Arrieta, but they can't uh, apparently close out a game with relief <laughs> pitchers. Yeah. I, I, was it, it was seven stolen bases against Jake Arrieta. Yeah, f- four by Trey Turner set a franchise record. And um, I don't know if you watched him. I watched him. Uh, Miguel like, Montero was not even throwing the ball. Like, I mean, he walked into third base on the one. Yep. Trey Turner mm-hmm. walked into he third base on the one. He stole second twice and third twice. Yeah. And never got thrown. I think he got thrown at once, and it was not close. <laughs> yeah, so... Uh, Nationals making a little bit of news this week with both their relief pitchers. Yeah, you don't and need relief pitching if you can just run around the bases for stealing. free. Yeah, exactly. But uh, he, Miguel Montero, I think learned his lesson. He's no longer with the team. He was designated for assignment, which basically means he's a uh, cut. <laughs> you know, and uh, kudos to Jake uh, Arrieta. He didn't actually blame Montero. He took it took it on the. He said he himself should have been holding them closer and said he had worked through it with Montero, so kudos to him for right. owning up to it. But clearly there were some things going on when you got that many stolen bases. On the bases. season, I think it said he was – I heard two different – I heard he was 0 for 31 in throwing out runners and 1 for 31. Oh, so, Montero? Yeah, I don't think it's Jake Arrieta's fault. Right. John Lester has less steals on him, and he's notoriously horrible at holding runners on. He's gotten better, but, yeah, that was uh, – boy, that was one – that was the Nationals – club record for stolen bases in a game it's mm-hmm. like ricky henderson had come back out of retirement <laughs> showed up there so uh if you want to stay with baseball i thought there was a fascinating uh again a fascinating article this week in the in the wall street journal about chris sale and the mm-hmm. fact that he does not shake off his catcher ever when he's pitching uh, if anyone follows baseball at all, they know that a lot of times uh, the pitcher will look for a, a specific pitch, and if it's not called for, they'll they'll shake off their catcher and keep shaking them off till they get the pitch or the location that they want to throw. And uh, Chris Sale is a guy who doesn't study batters, doesn't meet with his catcher, um, do pregame. He says, I trust my catcher. I'm going to go out there and try and execute. Very smart, and uh, I think he learned that trick from Mark Burley. <laughs> That's what they said. Mark Burley, uh, you know, it, both Sale and Burley, uh, Sale now has uh, picked up on it. He's a fast worker. Burley was notoriously, uh, and I don't know if it's notorious, he just was a phenomenal. I can't imagine him pitching with the new rules about batters having to stay in the batter's box. It would be, the game would be an hour long. He'd pitch eight innings in an hour. Yeah, Burley, I mean, I, when he would pitch, Games were quick and short. He just yep. boom, boom. And Sale is uh, following the same. It, because, obviously, Sale played, uh, brought up in his, uh, brought up by the White Sox, pitched with Mark Burley, had his locker next to Mark Burley, took over Mark Burley's locker after he left. And it appears he learned the, the, the process of just going with whatever your catcher calls 
and firing away. Yeah, and, and speaking of Sale, who was a White Sox, now his place where the Boston Red Sox, I just think Chicago, the whole city, there's got to be something in the water, right? They're just trading away their best players. Tra- huh? and, and they're just, yeah, they're trading away their best players, getting like pennies for the return, just getting nothing. Now, I know a lot of people give thought that in the case of the White Sox that it was a good trade, but my general uh, feeling on trades is if you're getting more players back than you're giving is that's usually a problem trade. Well, my thing is Sale was an established player, Cy Young contender, always played very well, and people I thought people loved him. I was a huge fan of him. And so you trade for a 19-year-old who has yet to really do anything in the major leagues and, like you said, a couple other prospects. But and the main part was Yon Mankata. And, yeah, it's just it's head-scratching to me that they would trade a franchise player like that away. And he had a reasonable contract. I think he's making about $12 million oh, yeah, a year. It was super I mean, team-friendly. You're right. Very, it's a lot of money by, by most pe- people's standards, but by baseball standards, it. You know, where pitcher, pitchers, even relief pitchers like uh, Chapman are making over $20 million a year. He was a very affordable uh, player and a number one starter on their team. And then the other interesting trade was the Jimmy Butler trade for they got Zach Levine, Chris Dunn, and the ninth pick, seventh, right, seventh right, pick. And gave up the 16th pick yeah, to something. Minnesota Timberwolves for it. Yeah. And you've got Zach Levine, who's coming off a torn ACL. So you have no idea how his performance will be impacted by that. Right, and even his performance before that wasn't stellar. He's a great offensive player, certainly NBA dunk champion. I think in the last two years, if I if I if my memory serves me correctly. But at the same point, not known for his defensive prowess. And Jimmy Butler... Top player in the NBA, great two-way it's, it's player, just another, great defensive player, as well as being yeah. able to create offense. Uh, and again, you're getting more players back than you're giving up, which to me is always showing that you're you're. I don't know the value in a lot of those trades from the playing from the team that's giving up the players, the fewer players, because a lot of times, yeah, obviously if you're giving away fewer players, there's considered more value in that. And you're giving up for potential. Most of the time that potential is not, not uh, seen come to fruition. And I just don't understand if they're, because a lot of people claim, oh, they're going into rebuild mode. They're trying to scrap, do the, do the 76ers thing, lose a bunch, get some picks. But you got to yeah, start 76ers somewhere. Yeah, that 76ers thing right? has turned out really well, hasn't it? <laughs> you got to start somewhere. I think they we already... got a bunch of number one picks, and we still stink. <laughs> and all their picks are injured. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the Ben Simmons didn't play. Joel Embiid didn't play half the season. So I, yeah, I mean that's bad luck. But you had an established franchise player in Butler, and you're gonna go. Um, we we were gonna we're gonna get rid of our franchise player. Where are you gonna start then? Every time you get a franchise player and he he doesn't he's not Michael Jordan or LeBron James, you're just gonna get rid of him. Yeah, I, I, and then the, again the players I think they got in return. It's it's a lot of hope, a lot of potential, but uh, you'd rather have a track record, in my opinion. And he recently gave a news conference at the Mall of America in Minnesota to where he was traded. And it was funny because there's been talk, you know, he wasn't a great leader, bad in the locker room. He's like, this is a quote. He says, everyone is entitled to their own opinion. He, uh, that being said, my phone is in my back pocket right now. 
Whoever has anything to say to me, feel free. 773-899-6071. And player <laughs> people were calling him. Yeah, I, I think it was uh it was like a publicity stunt. I but there totally was a was. phone, there was a phone number. Apparently it was uh, a friend of his was monitoring it, and right after he said that he was getting calls off the hook, so and it sounded like he even talked with some of them. So, oh, really? Yeah. He did? They they showed uh, they there was I think he tweeted out a picture of him on the phone with some of the player some someone who had called him on that number to talk with him. So, That's pretty funny. Yeah, and then I don't he, know that he'll keep that number because I, uh, you know. <laughs> I hope he has unlimited that, minutes and texting. Right? Yeah, exactly. Everybody has that nowadays, but I hope he does. Not on a paper, yeah. paper minute. Don't and then go with his team. The last phone, phone interesting plan. Chicago trade back in the NFL draft, it was just the Chicago Bears gave up a lot of draft picks for Mitchell Trubisky. And I just thought that was, I mean, again, it's an interesting trade. It didn't seem to like there was... To move up one spot. To yeah. move up one spot in a player that didn't seem there was a ton of interest in, especially not the team above them. So, yeah. I, well, you you failed to mail, mention the other trade. Uh, what what are your thoughts on the Chicago Blackhawks trading away uh, two players to get uh, really Brandon Sod back? I don't forget who's the second player coming back to them on that trade. Yeah, it was um, Artemi Panarin was the main the main trade. They traded Artemi Panarin for Brandon Sod, who had played with them previously, and it was um, I think it comes after Hosa announced he's not playing. He's a great two way forward. Brandon Saad is as well. But if you break it down, it's it's a pretty even trade. Um, they both had the same amount of money. Saad is actually a year younger. Even though he has more years in the league, he's actually a year younger because Panarin played in Russia. And then um, he's actually got more years left on his contract. So he's under contract for longer for the same cap hit. So it was. So you think that I don't know that they could have kept Brandon Sod, but I know you thought it was <laughs> ironic that they had traded him or not traded him. Yeah, they did trade him away. Well, where, well, where you were signed with Columbus, it was, right? It was th- three or four years ago. It was after 2013 they won the Stanley Cup. Brandon Sod was looking for a certain number of money, and Scotty Bowman was saying, "This is what we'll pay you." And Brandon Sod was like, ah, "I don't really want to do that." So he's like, "All right, I'll trade you to the worst team in the league, Columbus." Uh, as punishment. <laughs> now, and this I'm, is not what Scotty Bowman said. This is your take this is on it. <laughs> this is your take on it. So I'm sure when Brandon Saad came back in the locker room, I, I'm sure uh, Scott Bowman walked up to him and said, uh, so did you learn your lesson about yeah, right. asking for that amount of money? Well, he's still getting paid it. He just didn't have <laughs> yeah. to pay the first two years of the contract. <laughs> but and, yeah, so, and I think Brandon Saad returned, did, probably replied, did you learn your lesson? <laughs> you haven't won a cup since well, I left. That's very true. Yeah, he went to a... He went to Columbus, who was the absolute bottom. And actually, last year they performed really well. I think that has to do with a little bit of John Tortorella coming in. Great coach. coach, yeah. And then the emergence of Sergei Bobrovsky winning a couple Vesnas as your goaltender. That's going to help your team, too. So, All right. So we've kind of gone through all four sports in some short order, with a, certainly with a Chicago emphasis. Uh, anything else you want to close out on here? Well, I think focusing on the NFL, we had um, Vince Young offering oh, up some, right. yeah. some words for, he, he said, Ryan Pat Fitzpatrick, he's like, I don't get that guy, uh, how he still has a job and I don't. He's garbage. <laughs> well, didn't, and uh, is it Vince Young who just 
was he just cut from like a, a Canadian football mm, league team? Yeah, I think he played in the, the last time he played in the NFL was 2014. But yeah, he's like, I hate to name drop, but Fitzpatrick is still playing. He leads the league in interceptions and he's still getting paid. I mean, what is going on? Um, but yeah, well, there's a, there's a number of players who you, you could say you wonder why they're not in the league. I think <laughs> yeah. uh, cap the fa- I, honestly, I would, I would, um, bring up Kaepernick or hire Kaepernick before I would, uh, sign yeah. Vince Young. Well, I, I just found it. Uh, Young's last NFL team in 2014 was the Cleveland Browns. So I don't know if, if you can't make it at That's Cleveland, if you can't make it in Cleveland, I don't think you're meant for the NFL. Um, but yeah, it was young through 46 touchdown passes and 51 interceptions in his career. So less than a, you know, five more interceptions and touchdowns. I'm not finding Ryan Fitzpatrick's numbers, but I know it's he has a lot more touch. He just had a bad bad year last year. Well, the other thing too is uh, certainly everyone remembers or m- anyone who watched uh, Vince Young at, when he played for the University of Texas against. Uh, USC in that championship game. He had a phenomenal game, played incredibly well. But when I when I read the article, well, much over like Johnny Johnny Manziel, right? Very good college career, not a very good professional career. And I think that really the the skills and attributes. I think it's more the attributes that it requires to succeed in the NFL in terms of uh, the learning curve and committing yourself to improving as a player to taking that next step requires a great great deal of fortitude, a great deal of uh, persistence, and uh, some humility. And both of them show uh, a lot of hubris, and I don't think that you're going you're gonna to actually make it in a long that's, career that's a good that point. way. That's a good point, When you have those things, because you're, you're just not willing to learn, and you have to learn. Even though you've been great at one level, in order to succeed, again, I, I don't have this firsthand experience, but having watched, I just think, and having read... Uh, with regards to Vince Young and his and how he approached the game of football and how he approached the relationships within football, I think you see something very similar with Johnny Manziel, probably even more so. Um, I don't know that he lasted even as long as uh, as Young, and certainly didn't have the numbers that Young. I think Young would you know went on to be I don't know if he was the NFL Rookie of the Year that first year, but he he performed well early in his career. Uh, he made it on the cover of Madden, the video right, game, right. so that had to be pretty good. And uh, I think he just did not have the the character traits that it takes to, to commit himself to learning the craft. I think what we'll finish up on is a little bit of golf, and it's the European Tour, not the PGA Tour, and I think this story tells you why. Originally, when this story broke, they didn't realize who this person was, but a golfer broke his putter and threw it into a pond. He, he was angry at the time, and... uh uh, he moved he was about two holes later and a new threesome shows up they're playing the hole and it was first reported that a fan was waiting in the pond to grab the putter <laughs> later they found out it was lee how tong i know i'm mispronouncing it he was the golfer he threw his putter into the water it was his mother went and retrieved the putter oh for my him. goodness <laughs> so i think she'll have some choice words for him after that round oh man so, yeah, it looks like he broke it, threw it in the water, and then these guys have no idea what's going on. I think um, who were they were – who was the threesome? Uh, looking here, it says it was uh, Tyrell Hatton, Alex Norn, and Thomas Peters. Yeah, and they were they were getting a kick out of it, watching this lady 
she's just in the background while they're playing golf. She's wading into the water to grab this butter. Apparently, security is a little bit lax yeah, on the exactly. European the Euro- tour. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I should fly over there. I'll get some some free souvenir. I'll just go out there and take their their golf clubs while they're standing there. <laughs> Excuse me, I lost the ball here last week. I'm just going to come retrieve it along with my son's club. Yep. If you guys want to play through, I'm a little bit slower pace, so you guys can play through me. <laughs> but yeah, it, uh, I thought that was very interesting. That she didn't realize it was broken. She waited out there. She thinks she's helping her son. And she gets it, gets back to shore, and realizes it's missing. So she threw it back in the pond. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm watching the video right yeah, now on yeah. it. The, the, she rolling up her. Mm-hmm. She's wearing shorts, but she's rolling up. And this looks like some scum. There's like yeah, this is like a pond in Minnesota in July. Oh yeah, she's got it now. She's pulling it out. Yeah, looks mm-hmm. like she's got the handle. Yeah, she. Uh, the players on the and the caddies are just losing it on yeah. the green. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, that's uh, my... and she, all she has is the handle. And oh. so her son, uh, again, his name was Lee Hao Tong. <laughs> <laughs> she gets all the way out. She just has the handle, and then she gets to the edge, and she just kind of lackadaisically just tosses it back when oh, she yeah, realizes yeah. that I don't this need is this. All it I don't, is. This is broken, so she just threw it back. But her son, I think this was on the 11th hole. He had to finish up. He didn't have a putter, so he had to use a sand wedge. He, he finished at even par. He shot oh, a 71. Wow. And with the last seven holes playing with a sand wedge on the uh, on the greens. So Maybe he should permanently not play with yeah, a putter. Yeah, I mean, well, think of how much better it would have been, right? He, he birdied a hole with a sand wedge. So Anyway. I think that's all we have time for this week. All right, sounds good. We'll sign off here from the uh, Sullivan and Sun show.